It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. So here's a statement. See if you agree or disagree with this. We will glorify God and enjoy him only in the proportion as we know him. We will glorify God and enjoy him only in the proportion that we know him. You think it's right or you agree with that or disagree? Think about it. All right, so shout it out. Agree or disagree? We enjoy God uh, only to the degree or the, the proportion that we know him, that we get to know him. How about people in your life? You know, maybe the fellowship that you have with them or, the, you know, how much fun that you have with them. Um, isn't that just, isn't that really determined upon the degree that you get to know them and, and maybe your, your friendship, however far that friendship is with them? Aren't we limited in our um, participation in their life by how much we decide to um, get to know that person and be around them? When, you know, guys, when you're, you're, you see that, that girl and your just heart flutters and, and man, you say, man, you know, ooh, I, I, I want to get to know her, you know. And so you, you do everything that you can to try to, you know, find out what's up and, and be there and, and uh, try to get her attention or whatever, you know. Because, man, you, you, want a, you want a relationship with her. You want, uh, you know, more than just a kind of a wave from the distance, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, in our life, we need to have a um, relationship and a fellowship with the Lord. Really, that's beyond anything else. Listen to what Hosea said in his writings in the fourth chapter of Hosea and verse 6. From the Living Translation, the New Living Translation, he says, God says, My people are being destroyed because they don't know me. I think the King James says, uh, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Uh, The way that it breaks it out in the original text is that my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Now think about that. We experience um, failures and destruction in our life because we don't know God. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So there we go. He said, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. So if we know then about this life, this abundant life, and we begin to participate in that and desire that, we can walk more in that, right? So really, as we said a couple of weeks ago, we started this series on getting to know him, that our greatest, most important need in this life is to know God. It really is. Our greatest and most important need in this life is to know God. In fact, his purpose, his, his universal will for mankind is to know him and then make him known. That's how simple it is, to know God and then make him known. That's why we're here. We're just, this is just temporary down here, you know. And, and while we're here, we have an opportunity to know him. And then, as long as he leaves, leaves us here, is to make him known. And as we do that, it, it becomes a journey. It's a process that we begin to know him more and more. You know, think about uh, the, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. He gave some commendations to some, to the church of Ephesus. He said, hey, you, you've left your first love. You're doing good, man. You, you knew me, and you, we, were, we were real tight, and things were great. But, hey, you've kind of backed back up, and you, 
where you been lately? What's up? You've lost your first love. You've left your first love. I'm, of course, I'm paraphrasing that. Um, to the, the Laodicean church, he comes to them, and he's, on, he's knocking. And it says there in Revelation 3.21, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> he says, if any, any man let me in, he says, I'll come in and we'll have fellowship. He said, I'll sup with you. I'll have fellowship. Hey, we'll get to know each other. You can, you know. And they said, uh, ah, that's okay. We're warm and clothed and fed and we're, everything's cool. Because sometimes maybe that's the only thing that we want from God is for him to give us stuff. And that's only the degree that, uh, that that's the only level of, of knowing him that we go to is just what we can get from him. And so if everything's cool, then I don't need him. So we're fine right there. But he said, wait a minute. No, I want to come in and, and, and let's have some fellowship. Let's get to know each other better. And they said, nah, we're okay. He said, you're blind. And, and uh he says, you, you need ISAB for your eyes. He said, poor, pitiful, and naked. You know, he was talking about the degree of their spiritual uh, condition because they didn't really know him and didn't have a desire to know him. I believe we're living in a dispensational time, spiritually, of that Laodicean period. I think we've kind of been the last few years coming into that. And I think really today, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I'm cool. You know, I mean, I know him and everything's fine. So. You know, I got my things to do. We think that when we know him as Savior, that that's it. We can check that off our list, and we're on our way. We can go do what we need to do, right? And, and maybe that's the fault of uh, preachers and, and the church of just thinking that that's, and that's the emphasis. Well, it, it really is an importance to get people saved. But the thing is, is it doesn't stop there. Danny, when, when you married Tawana and, and y'all... Uh, said I do and she said I do and was that the ending or was that the beginning could be the ending of, <laughs> of some things but yeah, it is the ending of some things but it's the beginning of something else right it's the beginning and you know it'll be next month the 6th of April Sandy and I'll be married 45 years isn't that amazing we had one of those child arranged marriages when we were like two years old or something like that. <laughs> I didn't think I'd live to be 45, let alone be married 45 years. If I did, I'd have taken better care of myself. I know that. But, you know, when, I, when we got married, I thought I knew her. You know, I thought I knew everything there was about her. Man, I've discovered so much more. And, you know, every day we're learning something, some, something more. And it's good. It's good. Depth, you know, of some things. And, and the other thing is because we've shared so much together. And when you go through difficulties, difficult times with someone, you begin to really see who they are, right? And that's precious. I mean, you remember them and how they responded or reacted or whatever with you during those difficult times. That's why God wants us to always allow him to be part of our life because as we journey through this life, we're going to go through some difficult times. I wish it was always easy, but it's not. But he's always with us. He's, he, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Last week as we were talking about this, uh, getting to know God, we looked at the Jehovah banners because they all have his name on there and expressing Jehovah. He's uh, Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He's Jehovah Rapha, our healer. He's Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd. He's Jehovah Sitkanu, our righteousness. Makedish, our sanctification. He's uh, Jehovah Nisi, our banner. You know, all these things and we talked about it and what that means so that it kind of expresses who he is, and we get to know him in, those, in his characteristics. 
and God is so vast and, and amazing that every day he's, he's just something new. Like, and whatever I'm going through, he's, when I allow him to be there with me, then I can experience that situation, but I can also experience God's glory, his presence, his, what he does uh, for me and with me throughout those times. And it makes it richer. You know, man, I, I wouldn't want to go through some things I've gone through in the past. I wouldn't want to do it again. But I wouldn't take nothing for it. But it. They're precious, precious because of the fact that it's so rich. And uh, the experience that I've, you know, I thought I knew God way back then. You know, I was a teenager. What I thought, okay, I guess this is it. I'll never have any fun again in all my life. You know, I'm going to go forward and give my life to God, you know. I thought I found him. And really what it was is he found me. He, he laid a hold of me as they used to say you know he got me he he rescued me the apostle paul was on his road to uh you know there to persecute some christians and on that street called straight and 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 god just got a hold of him and and (laughs) knocked him down and said you know saul why are you persecuting me and uh it just changed saul's life we became paul and he said, you know, that Jesus laid a hold of him is what, is what how it's expressed. Laid a hold of him, got a hold of him. And from that time on, began to be different. He began to know him in different ways. We need to know him. And like Hosea says, you know, we suffer destruction. We're being destroyed because we don't know him. And he said, well, everything's, everything's, not, everything's not that bad. But there are some things around us maybe we're not noticing and, and, or what God has prepared for us. He designed and he prepared things for us before the foundation of the world. And, and if we never enter into those things, see, we're going to miss those because God has a reward for us set up for us in heaven for when we enter in and we run the race that he's marked out for us, then he's got a crown laid at the end of that race. Now, that's not for salvation. Salvation's a free gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast, is what Ephesians 2a says. Uh, that's God's gift to us because he loved us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the first step of knowing him is believing in him. Hebrews eleven six 6 says uh, that without faith, it's impossible to please God, to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and he's a rewarder, of them that diligently seek him. So there's diligently seeking him is a process. He rewards us for getting to know him. There are rewards for that. And without faith, it's impossible to please him. So it takes faith. By faith, then, I'm walking this walk and running this race to know him more. Paul said in, in Hebrews, uh, he says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles us and run with perseverance this race course marked out for us. The race course is not for salvation. Everybody got that? It's not a race of salvation. It's, a, it's our purpose in life, and we're to run it. And it says that there's laid up for us a, a crown of righteousness. Paul said, hey, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. He says, and not for me only, but for all those who are longing and loving his appearing. Well, you only long and love his appearing when you've really got to know him and, and you love him. Wow. The more you know him, the more you love him. The more you know him, the, the less things 
um, you'll allow things to hold you back from him. And so the Apostle Paul writes a passage of Scripture that I think is just so amazing in Philippians. And if you'll turn to Philippians chapter 3, around verse 8, Paul's just sitting here, and he's in prison. This is when he's writing from jail, okay? Um, and he's just, you know, he's got a lot of time to think. He's writing, and he's just talking about how, really, as he looked over his life and he's examining his life, he said, you know, everything that I've ever done, I mean, he was... He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He lived a righteous life. He persecuted Christians. He thought that was what he needed to do. He was killing Christians when he was a Jew, thinking that that would, you know, he'd get another notch up higher to be with God somehow because he thought that's how you attain the position with God. He, he had done so many things, and, and, you know, he was schooled not only just Pharisees, but in the various ways. I mean, he was a very knowledgeable man, and he's just looking around at his life. He's having one of those... Uh, he's probably about 50 years old. How many, how many of you are 50 years old? That's when you look at your life and you decide that now that you get ready to start into the second half, you know, and you, you examine the first half and say, well, I don't know if I'm going to do that again. And you kind of start making some, some purpose. I think that's what Paul was kind of looking back. And, and so he begins to, to uh, talk about that. And uh, we pick up there in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Reading from the New International Version, Paul says... Um, I consider, I'll just dive in kind of, he says, I consider everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The surpassing greatness? Paul loves to use superlatives in his writing. Um, the surpassing greatness, the amplified version says like this. Um, Paul says, I count everything lost compared to the, to the possession of, of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ. <laughs> wow. He's like, I mean, it's a big deal, he's saying. It's a big deal to know Christ. He says, you know, I count everything lost compared to this high privilege and, uh, that, that passes everything else of knowing Christ. He said, I've got, a, I've got a privilege. I, I've been privileged to know him. Um, how many people know the president? Or know who, who's the president? How many of you know who, it, who the president is? Shout it out. Okay. You know him, right? I mean, you've seen things on. But how many of you just, how many of you know him? How many of you ever met him, shook his hand, been to his house for dinner, uh, been with him when going fishing, Was he playing golf? kind of see what he's like when he's not in front of the camera. How many of you, you have done that? How many of you really know him? You see, what you see of a person, you might know them, but you don't know them. What news channel do you watch, Danny? Fox News? No, like uh, the evening news? Like uh, 11, 12, 13? Okay, was that, who is that, Dave Warden? Was. Really? Man, I missed it. I think I watched... Two, Bill Biasa. I know Bill Biasa. How many of you know him? You ever seen that? I know he likes Whataburger because I've heard him say that on the television. I've heard him talk about that. I know he was a, a Marine sniper because I've heard him talk about it. But I've never met the man. I never ate a Whataburger with him. I don't even know how tall he is. I know what he looks like behind that thing on television. But 
I know him because if somebody said, do you know Bill? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a news anchor for uh, NBC the, in Houston, Texas. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, he likes Whataburger. And... <laughs> but I don't know him. I don't know his wife's name. I don't know how many kids he has. I don't know what kind of car he drives. I don't know if he, you know, when he puts that microphone down, he's, he's a, you know, hothead. I don't know anything about him, but, but I know him. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you know me because you've come to church and somebody introduced me to you as pastor, but, you know, but I don't. I mean, and I know some things about him, like, you know, now I'm going to be married 45 years because I just told you that. But you don't, maybe some of you don't really know me. But now, Charlie, we've hunted together, you know. I mean, we've been out in the woods for three or four days at a time, stinking and, 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 and you know, rough beard and just looking horrible and and drive maybe 10 hours to get there and 10 hours back he knows me because you know we've been together a lot of different things you know so you see how do we know someone spend time with them now paul says man you know what everything i've ever done everything i've ever acquired is nothing compared to the privilege that i have to Get to know Jesus. If somebody called you up in the morning and they said, uh, President Trump wants you to come to the White House and just hang out with, what's her name? What's, her, what's his wife's name? Anyway, and go shopping and, and have dinner. They just stay a couple of weeks or whatever. Just get to know. You say, whoa. Man, you'd be Facebooking people and say, man, I'm on my way to D.C. <laughs> and you start, and you say, well, what's up with that? You know, I don't know. It's, I've, got a, I've, had the, I've got the privilege, I have the opportunity to get to know them a little bit. Paul says, you know what, that even doesn't count for anything. He's, I've got an opportunity. I have the privilege of getting to know the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Almighty God. I have the privilege, I have the honor, I have the opportunity to know him. If you have that opportunity and you don't take it, whose fault is it? Is it the Lord's? No, it's our fault because we didn't think it was very important. God has extended to every one of us the privilege, the opportunity to get to know him. Get to know him. I mean, think about it. God spoke. I mean, there wasn't anything here, and God just spoke into nothing and created the world. And when he did, he had you in mind because he did that. He, before he even did that, he already had a purpose for you. He designed and purposed you specifically. So then he created everything else around that, around me and you. And he says, come on, I, I want to know you. This whole plan of redemption is just so God can have a family and, his, and, and we can get to know him. And what we learned in our first lesson in this series is that we've got to know him as father. He's a loving father. A father gives life to children. He loves his children. He provides for his children. God says, you need to know me in those ways. But Jesus said this. He says, you know what? No man can know the father unless he knows me. Wow. In fact, he said there in uh, John 17, 3, he says, uh, this is eternal life, 
that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He said, this is eternal life. And that's kind of what we seek for, right? Our spiritual 401k, eternal life. Remember when we looked at that, Zoe is the Greek word. What does that mean? Anybody remember? Zoe, eternal life. It means life as God has life. What? I can have the same kind of life that God has? I can have the same privileges that God has? Wow, eternal life. And if I have that by knowing him and by knowing Jesus, this is eternal life. He says that men know you, and he says, and hey, they're going to know you through me. Eternal life, wow. Because that's what we always look for, right? What's in it for me? Why do I need to get to know him? That's fine. Okay, so I'm saved. That's cool. Why do I need anything else? Well, when does that eternal life start? When we die and go on to that sweet by and by? When does eternal life start? I used to think it was like it kicked in when we kicked out. <laughs> you know, that's when it kicked in. But what I've discovered is the when I received the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior who paid the price for my sin, now he makes me right with God. The Bible says I am born again. I am where I was dead in my trespasses and sin, separated from God. Now then, my spirit is reborn regenerated repowered and i become alive unto god and that's where eternal life starts right now you know what i've got eternal life right now that means without limitations life without limitations cool cool and it starts right now but see i don't really know maybe i don't really know all of that because i don't know god but the more i know god the more i exercise that eternal life because remember we glorify God and enjoy him only in the proportion that we know him the more I get to know him the more I exercise eternal life wow I begin to understand what it is to use the name of Jesus Jesus said in my name you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover we were in Africa and doing some medical clinics there everybody came running in and said yeah, come pray for this lady. I've told, I've shared this story before, and we went out there, and she's laying there, and her eyes, you know, her eyes are kind of partly open, and the whites in her eyes, it was all like dried up. I mean, she was just like, it was like withered, um, flies flying around, going, you know what? I think it might be a little late for prayer. And I think y'all might need to take her down the street and start making some arrangements because she was dead dead wasn't she sandy when i'm saying you know a person that like all the moisture or whatever it was gone from the eyeball that was there it's kind of gross but that was so i'm and so they said no pray 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 so i'm like it's like the lord said it ain't over till i say it's over I'm like, and boy now i'm kind of like oh great so we're gonna pray for this lady and nothing happens you know they're pretty demonstrative people there i mean Satan and his presence through past generations has been very present and demonic spirits are there and they've been worshipped and so they kind of see if your God's stronger than our God then we might listen to you about your God but if not we'll have to kill you I mean seriously so I'm thinking Ooh, man if this don't work we're in a heap of trouble because they're going to say well then where's all that power you're talking about 
So, man, I'm, I, this struggle's going on. I'm thinking about me and what I'm going to do. And God says, you just need to stop thinking about you because it's not you. He said, you don't worry about it. You just be obedient. I take care of the results. I thought, whoa, that's cool. We don't have to worry about results. We just be obedient. We prayed for this lady. And we prayed and then we left. And she's still laying there. When we, yeah, I'd like to tell you she jumped up. Oh, and she ran and everybody's going crazy, but it didn't happen that way. So I'm like, okay, well, that was really good. You know, so <laughs> let's go back in here and let's go back with the clinics. And the next day we were going to an, another village that was about uh, 30 kilometers away. We we're going up these mountains. It was way up in the mountains and uh, it was about 7,000 feet elevation. And we we're going up this mountain road. And all of a sudden we're riding in this little, um, I think it was like rodeo, whatever, who made that, that thing. And, and they slam on the brakes, and so he's talking and hollering, gets out, and is going back and talking to this lady, and we're talking, 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 he says, Pastor, I go, yeah, I says, it's her, I'm going, her, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of hers, <laughs> you know, we've been driving for, I don't know how many, you know, this is like, you know, uh, two, three o'clock in the afternoon, and, I, and I'm like, who, and he says, the lady you prayed for, I'm thinking, we prayed for a lot of people, we prayed for a lot of people, uh, who the lady that was dead and i go what get out and she's like i'm like whoa uh, what are you doing she says i'm going up here to tell the people i heard that you were going to be here and I, i've got to go tell them what god did for me and i'm like wait get in <laughs> i mean i mean she wasn't she didn't wasn't recovering she was climbing the mountain and i want to tell you something when we got up there and when she began to share her story people went crazy they did now you know what? We got to know him. I got to know God in a way I never experienced God. Oh, I've heard about that and whatever, you know. I, you know, I, I know Bill Bias likes Whataburger, but I've never seen him eat a Whataburger. I've never been to Whataburger with him. I know God raises the dead, but I've never been with him when he did. But I have now. And that just sounds crazy. But see, what does that do for you? I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it because I know that God is able to do whatever he wants to do greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world man so we got to know him and see i only bring glory to him and i only enjoy him to the degree that i know him i do you know him today do you know him see we 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 get to know him as savior but do you know him as lord do you know him as the one that has fathered, that wants to take care of you. Do you. But more than that, do you know him as your bridegroom? Wow. And so Paul's writing something here. And, and this isn't just at the beginning of him getting to know Jesus. This is down the road a little ways. I think they said it could have been somewhere maybe, you know, 20 years or something, you know. And so Paul's in prison now, been beaten and all this stuff. And, and he's sitting there and he says, you know what? I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He said, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. He said, for whose sake I have lost all things. So I just gave it all up. Didn't mean anything to me anymore. I don't have to, you know, I just lost interest in all these other things. Isn't it amazing how much time we spend chasing stuff? And... and we spend most of our life getting to know stuff. By the time you get to know that car, it's broke down. Or you still have payments on it, whatever. But 
He says, and I lost all things for his sake. He says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Whoa, 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 what, what, what? He said, I count everything lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. He says, I gave up everything. I don't really care about all that other junk. He says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. What's he talking about? Because you don't gain Christ for salvation. He's a gift, right? God, he's God's love gift to us. So I don't have to gain. And the word there is win Christ. I might win him, gain him, win him. What? What's he talking about? What does that mean? How do you gain Christ? How do you win Christ? How do you win Christ? What's happening here is Paul's talking about a deeper knowing, uh, an intimate acquaintance in the sense of acquaintance of really knowing somebody by experiencing life with them. And he says that I might win him just like, you know, you set out and, and that, uh, that girl, you got your eye on him, and you know, oh boy, you know what? And so you start to kind of make ways around here and you want to know him so that you can win him as your bridegroom, you know? Yeah. I want to latch on to him. Or the same way with guys. You know what, man, I, 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 man, I think she's the one. And, and so you begin to forget about everything else. Everything else, nothing matters anymore, right? Because she's the main thing, man. And that you can what? Win her as a, as a bride. And that's what this word's talking about. It's talking about in relationship, actually, literally, of winning a bridegroom is what Paul's saying. He says to gain Christ. He says nothing else matters. My life, I just want to know him. I want to experience everything there is about him that I might win him as, as that love of my life. Wow, that's pretty serious stuff. Pretty serious stuff. Hmm. He says, and be found in him. In him. Just be that everything, whenever anybody sees me or they're looking for me or they're trying to figure me out, I'm in Christ. I'm, you know, that, that position that we have positionally, I am in Christ. I'm the righteous of God in Christ. And, and that in him, I, I have all these things. But Paul said, but more than just talking about it, he says, when anybody sees me, I want them to see that I am, I'm in him and that they see him in me and that, that, that they begin to see Christ in me, the hope of glory, because I want to know him. I want to know him like I've never known him before. He said, I want to win him. Nothing else matters. I mean, he's got his sights set to say, wait a minute. I want nothing else but Jesus. Where are you? Do you know him? Am I losing some of you? See, we know him. If you're saved, you know him as Savior. But boy, Paul's talking. Yeah, I I know him. He knocked me down on that road, that street called Straight, and I got to know him. But in that journey, I, I, I've experienced things with him. He was in prison. He'd been stoned, and, 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 and not, you know, stoned, but I mean, he, he <laughs> like that guy said, you know, when I was little, my mama used to rock me, and, and they said, well, you know, because they was asking what was wrong with him. My mama used to rock me, and she used them big rocks. <laughs> no, anyway, um, but he was there, and he'd been beaten and whipped, and, and uh, you know, 
uh, it was left up to him to die. But, you know, that's the jail where Paul and Silas was in, and they were singing, and they were beginning to just sing praises because Paul said, nothing else matters. I, you know, even though I'm in here, I'm, I'm going to sing to him. And when he did, it's like an earthquake shook that place. God said, I, hey, I'm coming. Because the Bible says that God is, uh, is spirit, and, and though the worship him, must worship him in spirit and truth. He, he's seeking true worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth. So, man, he comes down and shakes that place, and, and the, the prison doors fly open, and people come out of the prison. Paul and Silas are free. Remember, the jailer runs out. He's like, oh, no, he, he thinks he's going to get killed because all these people are gone. And Paul and Silas said, no, we're, we're here. We're here. We're just praising Jesus. You know, we're just, have, we're just have, praising the Lord. He says, what must I do to be saved? What can I do to know this Jesus that shook this place and knocked these prison doors open to set you free? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Acts 16, 31, man, you know, he said, just get to know Jesus. And, and he can shake your prison doors open. He can set you free. The Bible says, and Paul later said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. He could be in that prison, and they might say, he locked up. He said, no, I'm, no, I'm free. Yeah, I, I'm free. You don't think I'm free, but I'm free. I might be here chained to this wall, but I'm free. Because he knew Jesus, and he said, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. He said that I might gain Christ verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, not trying to, to get saved or do this or do that, or not trying to, I, I know that's settled. It's his righteousness. God accepted me in him. I just want to know him now. I want to know him. And he says, uh, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, this faith that says, you know, that comes to God and believes that he is He's whatever I need him to be. I want to know Jesus. That's what Paul was saying. I just want to, I want to know him. I want to know him more. The Amplified there says, Paul says in verse 8, he says, uh, you know, further, I read that a while ago about where he says, you know, the, uh, uh, compared to this, this possession or this priceless privilege that's overwhelming, precious, uh, surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus. But he goes on to say, he says, to know my Lord and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. I, I want to know him. I want to know him uh, in a progressive way. I mean, every day, every second, every, every hour, I, I want to know him uh, more. And I want to know him deeper and more intimately uh, to get to know him and who he is. That's why Paul could say later on when he wrote, In him we live and move and have our being. It's in him. Don't be trying to do it out here on your own. Don't try to be doing your own thing. See, the Bible calls that iniquity, doing our own thing. Because it's, it's, it's opposite of Christ's purpose for us. It's, in fact, in Thessalonians it talks about the man of sin or the man of iniquity and iniquity is he was doing his will, not God's will, and he calls him the Antichrist. You want to walk in an Antichrist spirit, just do your own thing. Because that's anti to what Christ has for you. Well, I don't know, it got real quiet in here now. When we do our own thing, it's wickedness in the sight of God. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. We should have been bruised. <laughs> Because of going our own way. But he wasn't. That's why I was like, wait a minute. Who is this that would take that for me? Paul said, I, I want to know him. 
He says, I want to have a personal knowledge as a result of experiencing him. And I want to experience him in greater degrees every second of my life. He says, you know what? I count everything else as just rubbish, just as garbage, just nothing. In order that I may win or gain Christ, he says. Wow. And again, not for salvation, but for something else. Where are you? Are you just, have you got that settled and you're, you're a Christian, but now you've got all these goals over here and all these things. That's fine. That's fine. S- submit them to the Lord and make sure he checks them off and says, wait a minute, you know what? You can do that, but I designed you over here. You could be a lot more successful. You could be a lot more productive if you just get in line with what, how I've designed you and purposed you. I think a lot of times a, a lot of our failures, our struggles in life is because we're just trying to, we're just trying to get by in life and just try, we're struggling to do the best we can. And, and God says, you know, if you would just let me take you. And that mean that, not, that doesn't mean that you have to be a monk someplace, you know, and go around like, oh, you're, no, you could be a, uh, an entrepreneur, he can give you creative ideas and designs and inventions and whatever. God wants to bless you. He's got more for you than what you think <laughs> that he does. Get to know him. Get to know him. Hallelujah. So he says that I might, in order that I might gain him as my bridegroom, as my one. You know, when a husband and wife come together, the Bible says now they're one. He, Paul said, I, I just want to be one with Jesus that I'm him and he's me and everything I do, I express him. And well, we know that that will never happen. In fact, Paul goes on later, he says, not that I've already attained this. He said, but I, I'm pressing. I, I'm, that's my, this is my race. I'm pressing in with everything I got to be one with him. One with him. Wow. That I may know him, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. He's saying, you know, I want to be one with him. I want to be like him. I want to experience the power of his resurrection, this resurrection power that has no limitations, that comes down and says death. You know, people thought it was final. No, it's not final. That's not it. And can conquer death. This power, this dunamis power that when the Bible uses that word, it it means miraculous, wonder-working power. He says, I want to know this miraculous, wonder-working power that raised Christ from the dead. And and the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and it shall quicken your mortal body, make alive your mortal body. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. That's what Paul said. How can he say, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength? Because he had got to know him that way. He got to know Jesus in such a way that he said, hey, what he can do, I can do. I'm an heir and a joint heir with with him. This eternal life starts now. So I can do all things through him. Oh, I don't know if y'all are getting this today or not. I just wish I had the words to express how Paul was feeling when he says, man, I, I got to know him. I want to know him. Nothing else matters. That's all I think about. That's all I stretch toward. That's all I press for is just to, to know him more. It's like, well, Paul, man, I mean, you're writing these letters. You know him. I mean, you, man, you're the, you're the scholar. You wrote two, two-thirds of the New Testament he wrote. I mean, you seem to me like you know him. He said, oh, no, that's nothing. It's like every day when I, I, I know him in a greater degree. He said, I'm just captivated, and I want to know him more. Wow. He said, I want to know him. That word that's used there is, is 
experiencing him. Let him in with, into your life. That old song, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm his own. Is that what it is? You know, you know somebody got to know Jesus when they wrote that song. They got to know him, not just as Savior, but I mean, they got to know him as Lord and as a master and as bridegroom. Wow. The Amplified says in, in verse 10, he says, uh, for my determined purpose, determined purpose. I mean, that, that's kind of like the ultimate goal. I've determined that my determined purpose, when I get up in the morning, when I lay down at night, my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. See, we just don't have English words to say what the Greek says. It's, he said, I, I, my determined purpose is to know him. He's in deeper, more intimately, more everything, everything about him. That's what I want to. Uh, I don't know if you're getting this or not. You see, do you know him? And God's saying, come on, come on, come on. Know me, know me. He says in the power of his resurrection, that word that's resurrection there, the Greek word is uh, anastasis. Everybody say anastasis. Anastasis. Now, you need to remember that because Paul's saying, you know, when we are saved, all of us have the promise of resurrection. We know even like there in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, where Paul says, you know, if we, uh, are, we die with him, we're bar- we believe that we're also buried with him. That just as he rose up in the newness of life, that we're going to rise up to walk in the newness of life. We believe that we're going to be resurrected one day. That the Bible says that just for a Christian, when a Christian dies, they're just asleep, you know. And that they will be resurrected to live with him all e- in eternity. We're promised that, right? Anastasis, the resurrection. That in fact, the, uh, the longest passage in Corinthians is uh, chapter 15, where it talks about that this corruptible will put, got to put on incorruptible. We can't stand in God's presence in the flesh. We've got to have a new body. And he says, we'll all be, he says, we might not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. Y'all thought that was the, the slogan over our nursery. They'll not all sleep, but they'll all be changed. <laughs> but Paul was saying... You're not all going to sleep, or he said, um, we, we might all sleep, but we'll all be changed. Not everybody's going to die before he comes back, but we're all going to be changed into this incorruptible body that's prepared for all eternity. We're going to be resurrected. New life. Hallelujah. That's pretty good stuff. Oh, but wait a minute. See, if you just know him on that level, if that's all you're waiting for, Paul's got a lot more. He's going to play a Mr. T on us. I got a lot of mo. Draw him down here. He says, look, he says, in this, this power of his resurrection, yeah, and, and I'm going to use that resurrection power now, and I've got an assurance that I'm not going to live forever. Great. But listen to what Paul says here in verse 10 and 11. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I, I want to be like him where he surrendered, where he said, not my will, but thine be done. When he suffered, he, he still it brought glory to God. He says, if something... He said, I want to bring glory to the Father in all that I do, and not my will, but his to be done. I want to be just like Jesus was when he, in his death, and, and he was victorious in that. But in verse 11, he says, and so somehow, and get ready, you need to underline this. And somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. What you talking about, Paul? Resurrection from the dead? What was the word for resurrection? Anastasis, good. 
You know what this resurrection Greek word is? Ex anastasis. It's a different word. In fact, it's only used right here. And it has a special meaning. It means uh, taking out from the other corpse, the other bodies, the other dead corpse and those that have died. It's an out resurrection. An out resurrection? An out resurrection? I mean, I, I'm cool with a resurrection. In fact, I'll do my exercise. I'm, I'm ready. But he says, uh, out resurrection. He says, yeah, there's going to be a resurrection, and we're all going to you know, be with him. But he says, wait a minute. I want to know him to the point of where I can be part of the out resurrection. He says, there's a group of people that have got him in mind and, and looking for him and, and walking with him, so in tune with him that when he calls, when that bridegroom comes back, just like the Jewish picture of the, the bridegroom, when he would go away and he said, I, I, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, for his wife, for his bride. You know, they'd be engaged. And so she would hang out there and she'd be watching for him all the time. I don't know when he'd come. And, you know, and the longer he took me, he'd be going to build a bigger house. And isn't that what Jesus said? He says, wait a minute. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, but I'm, I'm coming back. And so just as that picture of that Jewish wedding, the bridegroom, he'd come back and he looked over there. Oh, look, she's got a light in the, in the window. She's waiting for me. So he would holler, come on. And boy, she'd hear that. And she'd come out to meet him. And she'd go out to meet him. And off they would go. And they would go then to the place that he prepared. And they were gone. And well, here's the other wedding party. Here's the other family there. All the family didn't go, just the bride, just the one that was longing and loving his appearance the one that was getting to know him oh, i don't know if y'all are getting this or not see he, he didn't marry the whole family but god promised his family that hey you're gonna you're gonna take you to heaven with me families included but you know what there's something special god looked down he created adam adam and there's adam and adam's like a type of the the body of christ okay but then god says you know what I need something special I need a bride so he takes the rib that closest to the heart, and he makes a woman, he makes a bride for Adam. Oh, I want to tell you something, that God's looking in the body of Christ, and he's saying, who wants to know me? Who really loves me? Who, who's, who's sold out? Who, who's saying like Paul said, I mean, nothing else matters. I want to be one with him. He says, I'm going to build a bride. Abraham, he says, here's Isaac. He says, man, you know what? I need to get a bride for my son so he sends his servant back to the land back to where he came from and goes out there and he goes back to his family and he finds that picks out rebecca remember that and so he said man she's the one because she's working she's faithful she's man she's serving and and she's ready and so he says okay so i'm taking her and and so the other family they said okay that's cool we'll, we'll see y'all sometime and so he takes rebecca and rebecca meets isaac see that's all typology because abraham is a type of god the father who asked his servant the holy spirit to go find a bride for his son jesus and so the holy spirit comes back here to the the church to the family of god and he looks to the family of god and he says let me see who's who really wants to be the bride who do i need to select for the bride for the son those that are sold out, those that are watching and waiting and, and willing to serve him and think nothing about anything else but him. Wow. He says, come on. I got something special for you. This is an outtaking from your family, but that's okay. They're going to be here in a little bit. But 
Are y'all getting this yet? We need to see God is looking. Jesus is God's love gift to us. But you know what I've discovered in the word? That God then wants to give a love gift back to Jesus because of his faithfulness, because he was willing to be obedient to the Father, to go and to be the price for redemption to, so that God could have a family. So since God has a family, God says, you know what? I, I want to give you a love gift. And, and I want to give you a precious bride without spot or blemish. And I want to present her to you spotless. See, the bride of Christ is God's love gift back to Jesus. Wow, to rule and reign with him, to sit with him in his throne. Oh, wow. I don't know if you're getting this or not, but. Mm. See, there's some people that just know him. And they're in the family of God. And they're happy and content with that. But there's others that say, wait a minute. I want to be one with him. I, I want to be one with him. Nothing else matters. I just want to be one with him. And to them, they're watching and waiting every day occupying like Rebecca, doing what needs to be done, but still longing and listening. And the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, for the Lord himself shall he send from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. You say, well, what's up with that? Well, see, Paul, although he was waiting for the bridegroom to come and be caught up right then, he went ahead and went by the grave. So he's asleep. But he died with that overcoming faith of being one with Jesus, of the bride of Christ. Okay? And all those that died throughout this church time, with that in mind of, of being the, the, the bride of Christ, those that are one with him, he's not going to forsake them. That's why that they're going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain are here, who are here at that time, and, and we want to make him first, and be one with him, then we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The type of that is in Revelation, the Smyrna church, where those that, Myrrh talks about death, they're the ones that, there was nothing against them. He had no fault against them. Only two churches of the seven that there was nothing against. That was the Smyrna church and the Philadelphia church. The Smyrna church were those that died before he came. The Philadelphia church are those that were caught up. They were living when he came. He's, in fact, he looked and he said, I know you got just a little strength. You know, they, man, they've been running a race. And he says, but you've not denied my name. You kept the word of my patience. And you, you were just like Paul, man. We want to be one with him. He says, because of that, I will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming up on the whole earth. He keeps them out. They go before this tribulation time comes. Out translation. Paul says, man, that I might be part of that out-resurrection. The out-resurrection coming out of, from a di it's a different, it's a different catching up. It's a rapture that's different from that general rapture. Oh, I want to tell you something, that there's more than just, you know, I guess um, it's kind of like socialism, you know. Roberta, you might just work hard, hard, hard. You might be the Rebecca, and you're just running for Jesus. He's number one. Nothing else matters. I'm over here just saying, well, Roberta can do it. You know, I mean, I'm saved. I'm going to go. And so then we just all go at once. How about that? That's cool. There's no, 
There's no reward. Wait a minute. Paul said, I want to, that I might gain Christ, that I might win him. He tells it over in Corinthians, he said, I run. He says, uh, not as one that's beating the air. He said, I've got a purpose. Why? He says, I'm, I'm running this. He said, and he said, I beat my body. I bring it into submission. And like an athlete trains his body to be disciplined, to run this race. He says, why? He says that, uh, you know what? So he's part of that. He says that I might win the prize, win that crown. He's running to win a crown. The only people in heaven that you see that have a crown are the 24 elders and the four living creatures who make up two companies of believers that are there, and they take those crowns, and they come before his throne and say, worthy is the lamb that was slain. Everybody else you see out here that come up in the middle of tribulation time, this great innumerable company out here, nobody can number them because from the time of the church until now, the bulk of the church hadn't cared anything about making Jesus number one. They're just in the family. We're just hanging out. We're just in the family. We're cool. And so from that time, 2,000 years up till the time that he comes, then they're caught up. Same thing. They're caught up. And those that are alive, they're caught up with them. That's the procedure. But here they are on this outer, in the outer courts in the sea of glass. And it says that they have on robes that had been washed. They had to wash them because they were spotted. And they just had, they didn't have crowns. They had this palm branch. And they sang the song of Moses, salvation belongs to the Lord. Only thing I could sing was about salvation. But that group that loved him and worshipped him and knew how to get in his presence, they were the ones that came before him to cast that crown and said, worthy is the lamb. I couldn't have done this without you, Jesus. I'm nothing. Because I got to know you and the power of your resurrection to live an overcoming life. I couldn't do it in myself, but in your strength I can do it. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Let me read one more scripture. I'm not done, but I'm going to stop. Paul tells the Thessalonians, because I know some of you are thinking, what? What? First thing is, don't look at this in a legalistic way of saying, well, then forget that. Because that's what I did when I first heard it. I thought, well, I guess I'm going to be in that big crowd because I, sure, I ain't going to be like brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so. Let me tell you, first of all, the only thing that's required to be in that bridal company is faithfulness. I don't care if you're saved one minute, one hour. It's not based upon your ability or your longevity. It's based upon faithfulness. Faithfulness. If you're 100% faithful with what he's given you to do, he said, come on. You've been faithful. In a few things, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. You're going to reign with me in my crown. We'll all come with him. We'll all be in the family of God. But he says, but... You know, Paul said, if I suffer with him, I'm going to reign with him. If I'm faithful, then there's a different position. It's not, salvation is free. Let me tell you something, you've got to work for that crown. The Bible says that, Paul talks about it, he says, you know, every man builds upon this foundation. There's a foundation of salvation, okay? I'm saved. Everybody builds upon this, but not everybody builds the same way. He says, some build with wood, hay, and stubble. Others build with gold silver and precious stones he says and when the fire the judgment fire from the judgment seat of christ comes he says that person that built with wood hay and stubble just slowful works in their life he said it's going to be all destroyed that fire will just consume it all and they'll be as one that escapes yet as by fire just the flames are just escaping because that's all they had was the foundation salvation 
But he says, over here, see, the fire refines the gold and the silver, the precious stones. He said, it's just refined. They're the ones that he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You built upon this foundation. You didn't just take the foundation. You didn't say, well, thanks for salvation. Now, I got some things to do. We'll talk later, maybe, if I got time. But no, you build upon it with what he's given you to do, how he's designed you. You know, just, and don't worry about it. When you go about to be you, just think about what Jesus, maybe how he would want you to be. When you see somebody in need, what would Jesus do? Maybe he would check and see how, how they're doing. Be concerned. Just be a little bit more compassionate. You see, what it really is is the gifts of the Spirit or the, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things begin to come out. So, well, let's see there, right there. <laughs> Lost me on number one, love. <laughs> That's okay. It's a race. Remember, it's a race course. We're running. And you might be struggling. You might feel like you're running in the mud because you're having to try to love like you've never loved anybody before. But that's okay. As long as you're on that race and you, you know, when you lay your head down at night, you say, you know what? I didn't get very far today. <laughs> but I hung in there. <laughs> and tomorrow, if you help me, Lord, I'm going to be better. I'm going to love better because I know you're going to love through me. You know what? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Let's get real here. Joy. Okay, this is tough. I don't know how I can be so joyful in this thing. So that's okay. You just keep your eyes on me. Keep running the race. Just be faithful. I'll teach you how to have joy. Let the Holy Spirit work through you because it's the fruit of the Spirit. And you know what? That's what this race is all about. This is what this life is all about. I wasn't this loving 45 years ago. I hope I've changed. My kids used to say, well, you didn't act like that when, when we were little. <laughs> well, see, that's good, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not the same man I was 20 years ago. I hope I'm not. Right? See, by the time you get to be a grandparent, you really know how to. <laughs> you've been through this. You kind of know what to do, right? Plus, you know you can always give them back. <laughs> okay. We're going to have to get you out of here. But listen to this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Paul's writing to the Thessalonians, and these people, man, they put everything back. They're really, they're looking for Jesus. They want to be one with him. They want to be part of the bridal company, the overcomers. And so he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1, Now, brethren, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. Think about these end times and everything. He says, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The day of the Lord is when the Lord comes to judge this world. Verse 3, while people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness. Everybody say darkness. You are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief it shouldn't shouldn't surprise you right you are all sons of the light and sons of the day we do not belong to the night or to the darkness everybody say that's right i don't i don't belong to the darkness we've been taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of god's dear son into the kingdom of light he says we don't belong to the night 
or to the darkness. Verse 6. So then let us not be like others who are asleep. Don't be like those other people. He says, but let us be alert and self-control. You know, there's some Christians that are kind of like, they're going through that dormant season. It's kind of like when, you know, trees go dormant and they, and, uh, you know, all the leaves fall off and you look and say, is that tree alive or dead? I don't know. I guess we'll know when spring comes. But it's, you know, it's dormant. There's a lot of Christians that are full of apathy and complacency and dormancy and you can't tell, oh, oh you're, oh, I didn't know you are a Christian. Oh, wow. What about that? I mean, you know, I was like that. Couldn't tell me from somebody else. So he says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at when? Night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. There's a lot of Christians being intoxicated with the things of the world and it dulls their senses and they can't really be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because they're, they're dulled by philosophies and world uh, type of attitudes rather than the Holy Spirit influencing. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. Amen. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, this judgment that's going to be poured out in the seven-year tribulation. He didn't appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. To receive deliverance from that and, and salvation for, for all time through that. We may, that. That we may live together with him. He says, that, uh, but wait a minute. He says, uh, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now notice this. Verse 10. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Okay? Now then, did you get it? He died for us that whether we are awake and alert and self-controlled and watching and waiting for him, the bridegroom appearing to listen and to be caught up with him in this out resurrection, we're awake, we're alert. Whether we are Awake or what? Asleep. There's going to be some Christians that are asleep. Yeah, there's some Christians that are asleep right now. They haven't got a clue what's going on in the spirit realm. He said he died for us that we shall live together with him. So if they're asleep or awake, if you're alert, you're going to live together with him. He died for us. Salvation. We're going to live with him eternally. But wait a minute. Those that sleep Sleep into the night. There's a night season coming upon this earth. A 70th year of tribulation that Daniel talks about. It's the 70th year. It's seven years in an allotted time of wrath that God will pour out upon the face of the earth. But he didn't appoint any of his kids to suffer that. But we need to be alert. And he says, therefore, encourage, he says um, that we may live together. He says, encourage others uh, and build them up. As in fact that you're doing. Those that are sleeping, not paying attention, not being alert to God, they'll sleep right on into that night season. Through the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the last three and a half years is God's wrath poured out, Satan incarnate, and they'll be taken out. All believers will be taken out at that time. It says that's where you see in Revelation chapter 8 that they come up, there's great and numerable company, they come up out of great tribulation. But God doesn't intend for you to do that. Man, I want to know him. I want to know him. 
Jesus said, the sheep know me. They know my voice. They hear my voice. I want to know him, that I hear his voice. That I, I want to be alert to him. You know what? You say, Pastor, but I don't know if I could do that. No, you can't. You can't do it on your own. But the Holy Spirit can guide us into all truth. That's what Jesus said. I'm not leaving you as orphans. The Father's going to send a comforter. He's going to, that will guide you into all truth. All we have to do is every day just say, you know what? Lord, today I'm purposing my determined purpose is to love you more than I love myself. And then get ready. And then things will happen. But you will overcome them because the Holy Spirit will help you. And the resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead that's not bound by any limitations when we call upon that thing, that it can, things can move so that we can be victorious. And you know what? I overcome. I overcome. I overcome. And the overcomers will be those that he catches up. Hey, this is Pastor Paul Golden. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe, rate it, and review also, you can help us to reach others by investing today at lightchristiancenter.com slash give. Thank you for joining us on LCC's podcast. God bless you and have a great day.